your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Monday, January 3rd edition of Locked On Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is a daily podcast where we talk about all things Florida Panthers. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Man 12 You can follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. You can also follow the national show Locked on NHL on the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. And thank you for making the Locked on Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. Happy New Year, Florida Panther fans. It is New Year. Same Panthers. That's the... That's what's going to be the title of this episode today for the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast as the Panthers, another game, they go up against a Montreal Canadiens team who had their worst start in franchise history uh, this year. It's crazy to think that a franchise that has been around for over 100 years, one of the original six teams after... They made their run to the Stanley Cup final. And of course, with that run to the Stanley Cup final, there came a lot of turnover with their roster. Their goaltender, Carey Price, hasn't played at all this season. And many expected the Montreal Canadiens to fall off in a way from their Stanley Cup final run. If you listen to the show during the offseason, we had Laura Saba and Scott Matla of Locked On Canadiens as we did a preseason crossover, and they even said that this team would be a bubble playoff team uh, for the Canadians, and it has been nowhere near that. They make a whole front office change, uh, firing Mark Bergevin, and now they are still in looking for their new GM, um, and it's been just a pretty crazy situation going on in Montreal and in this one in this game uh the Montreal Canadiens were shorthanded as well uh they dressed 16 skaters a position that the Florida Panthers found themselves in uh just a few weeks ago against the LA Kings and the the situation is a little different for the Canadiens as far as putting up a roster versus what the Florida Panthers were putting up just a few weeks ago the issues with the Florida Panthers were cap space related. There had to be some maneuvering of the cap, putting Mason Marchment on LTIR, uh, sending Spencer Knight down to the AHL for a game to create all that space before the Florida Panthers were eventually shut down. However, for the Montreal Canadian side of things, they didn't have any players from either their team nor their AHL affiliate, Laval Rocket. So this was a a situation where they couldn't even bring players from their where as they were trying to put up a taxi squad they they couldn't even put players in position uh on the roster 
and just the NHL in Canada in general, they've had to postpone even more games because of attendance um, rules that the Canadian government are trying to put and agree with with the NHL. So there's been even more postponements. So a lot of these Canadian teams are having harder times with this new Omicron variant of COVID uh, versus what a, a team like Florida is. And Florida has, as far as COVID, um, they haven't been bit the worst. Um, they haven't nowhere near in the league the last two seasons. They had a little bit of an outbreak and they, and it affected them a little bit, postponing four games and a depleted roster for a few games. But as far as that, they've been very, very fortunate. And Montreal, they haven't been so fortunate. And the upcoming opponent for the Florida Panthers, Calgary, Calgary, they haven't been so fortunate uh, neither. And we'll talk more about Calgary later on in this episode and even tomorrow. Um, but, man, the but despite the Montreal Canadiens being shorthanded, this is a roster that just hasn't been good this year. This was a game that the Florida Panthers had had no excuses losing to going into this game. But before that, I, I, I do want to give us a, a little bit of a shout out to the sister of Jonathan Huberdeau, Josiane Huberdeau. The, every time the Montreal Canadiens uh, come to town during the, the winter, uh, she sings uh, both anthems, both in English and uh, French. The 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 Canadian anthem in French and then the Star Spangled Banner in English. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, even though I don't speak French, I don't necessarily understand. Uh, I'm going to assume that the words for O Canada are the same in French as they are in English. But um, if any of the Canadian listeners who speak French want to correct me otherwise, you can shoot me a DM and tell me if how, how much of a difference uh, there is because as the person who speaks two languages, English and Spanish, some things get uh, lost in translation. And I know that some things don't translate completely from one language to the other. But I thought that was a, a pretty cool thing for Josiane Huberdeau uh, to sing both uh, anthems for both uh, the U.S. and Canada going into this game. But this one was a start where the Florida Panthers were going against their former prospect goalie in Sam Montebo. If you remember, uh, the Florida Panthers put Sam Montebo on waivers just before the season, and then the Montreal Canadiens went ahead and picked up uh, Sam Montebo on waivers uh, due to the situation with Carey Price going into the, the Players Assistance Program for the NHL for substance abuse. Um, that's what uh, Carey Price went into, and they needed a goalie and they saw that Sam Montebo was on waivers and that they decided to uh, pick him up. Uh, if, of course, these have different effects based on when you lose a guy, uh, the Florida Panthers, of course, with not having Montebo on their roster or in their farm, um, that affected their acquisition with uh, Jonas Johansson as well. Without the putting Montebo on waivers, Jonas Johansson wouldn't be here. And in this one, uh, Spencer Knight was sent down to the taxi squad for the Florida Panthers to make room for Jonas Johansson. So that, that, was, a, that was a move that the Florida Panthers made ahead of this game um, between them and the Montreal Canadiens. So they had a chance to face up against their 
for um the Florida Panthers they they got to go up against their former teammate and see uh they kind of know like what his strengths and weaknesses uh are so they had an opportunity to uh show them what they have and we will discuss that more uh as we break more of this game down in the next segment so keep it right here on Locked On Panthers your first listen of the day it's the new year so that means new year's resolutions if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar maybe even better than a candy bar built bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which may be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill you want to eat healthy but it just gets so boring but like week three you might be thinking this is just not worth it Where's the chocolate? Bilt Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Bilt Bars. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Bilt Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with a new limited time flavor, so check out Built.com to see what's new. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Once again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Second segment here on the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, where the Florida Panthers are coming off a 5-2 victory on Saturday, a matinee matchup against the Montreal Canadiens, a short-handed Montreal Canadiens team. So. For the Florida Panthers, their lines look like this. Carter Verhage, Alexander Barkov, Maxim Mammon, Jonathan Huberdeau, Sam Bennett. We'll talk more about Sam Bennett later. Anthony Duclair, Frank Vitrano, Sam Reinhardt, Owen Tippett, Mason Marchment, Anton Lundell, and Patrick Hornquist. Their defensive pairings look like this. Mackenzie Weger, Aaron Ekblad, Gus Forsling, Radko Gudis, and Lucas Carlson, along with Brandon Montour. The scratches today are Etulus Thuranen and Ryan Lomberg. Not today, but... Saturday for this game with Bobrovsky starting and Jonas Johansson as the backup. Once again, Spencer Knight was on the taxi squad because he is, in fact, waivers exempt. So he was placed on the taxi squad for the Florida Panthers. So this one was, man, Florida Panthers came out firing early and often for for this one. And this is what uh, you expect. For the Florida Panthers, a, a a team that on paper and we saw on the ice is clearly better than when when it comes to talent and the situation at hand for the Florida Panthers, um, and it 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 all started with the the neutral zone, uh, for for the Montreal Canadiens losing losing the puck there and Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, he finds Anthony Duclair behind the net and then Duke, beautiful beautiful backhand. Sam Bennett right on the doorstep and we talk all about Anthony Duclair and his and his speed his breakaways going on break uh, going by himself on goalies but 
we're really starting to see how much of an effective passer he is. And definitely something that I'm starting to notice more in Anthony Duclair's game. And Jonathan Huberto in this game was actually mic'd up um, in this one. So we got to see a little bit more of like what they say as plays going on. And a lot of the times for Huberto, he's giving a lot of credit to his teammates, like he, and especially Sam Reinhardt uh, on on those uh, on his two primary assists. You hear Jonathan Huberto saying, "Nice pass, Rhino," because Sam Reinhardt as well had had two beautiful assists in this one. But let's go back to Sam Bennett um, real quick because he did get the he did get the goal right in front of the doorstep. But then early on. The, the the play that was talked about all over uh the pa- the Panthers fear after the game um once the once Sam Bennett was had a a hearing with the NHL after his hit to the head on Cedric Paquette and that is a hit to the head um based on based on the replay and it wasn't called on the ice as a penalty and I can understand why it wasn't called on the ice originally because of angles. Uh, looking at the replay and seeing where the referee is positioned, you could see where the referee is when he's near the net that he sees the back of the letters of Cedric Paquette. He sees his head move, but he doesn't see any contact under from Sam Bennett to hit Cedric Paquette in the head. He might have seen a shoulder and then a, a head might go back and then hit it and then he hits the ground. But in real time, it's hard to, to call that a penalty for a hit on the head. But with the luxury of replay that we all have after the fact, should it have, have been a penalty for, um, for roughing? P- possibly. It, it, you, you could argue that it could have been that. But uh, Sam Bennett just has to be in a better position when it comes to hits, uh, for sure. Um, and though. It's harder to stop your momentum in real time. You just shift a little bit to your left more, and Sam Bennett doesn't get anywhere near the head, and he gets him on the shoulder instead, and it's a clean hit, and all, all is good. But the NHL, they ruled yesterday on Sunday that Sam Bennett has been suspended three games as part of a repeat offender. I don't necessarily agree with three games. If anything, it should be one for that. Uh, we're trying to take hits to the head out of this game because concussions, I've had one, and they're not fun. They're, concussions are not fun to deal with. Head trauma is real when it comes to, uh, if you watch any, uh, if you've seen like lawsuits throughout different leagues on like how, on concussions, on mental health, when it comes to these players and the after effects of CTE that happens, we're trying to take headshots out of the game. And I, I kind of understand the whole repeat offender situation because if you remember going back to the playoffs last year, Sam Bennett had that hit in game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning where he charged from center ice all the way to the, the board, the end board, and, and had a hit on, I forgot who it was against Tampa Bay. I think it was Ross Colton. I'd have to go back and see it. But he had a hit there and he was suspended for game two. And I, I guess... That's why they put it as three because of repeat offender. But as far as flipping a coin and choosing a suspension, that's what I feel like sometimes that the NHL Department of Player Safety does. 
Because you see something like Tom Wilson uh, do what he did with Pavel Bushnevich and Artemi Panarin last year towards the end, and he doesn't get a single suspension. He gets fined, but not suspended. And I just flat out don't understand the logic behind suspending somebody for this many games for doing this, but not suspending a player for doing that. I just don't understand uh, the, the thinking behind it. And uh, going back to this game, uh, just a few minutes later, uh, Jonathan Duran, a former third overall pick by the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I, 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 like, I like Jonathan Duran's story. He was very open about what he was going through emotionally, through anxiety, and great to see him back on the ice and contributing for the for the Montreal Canadiens because um, as far as talented players, there's there's some talent on, on the Canadiens. Jonathan Duran, Nick Suzuki, who they got from the Vegas Golden Knights in a trade for Max Pacioretty, who now the Vegas Golden Knights from that 2017 draft who had three first-round picks, all those picks are now on other teams based on trades for them wanting to win right now. And you you gotta you gotta give credit for Montreal Montreal for getting Nick Suzuki uh in that trade and I believe they extended him uh too. Uh and they, they found a they found a big piece as far as their future. As far as different pieces for the Habs, the the problem with Montreal as far as team building is terms of contract many of their players have term um of three years or more and it's very hard to get rid of some of the contracts in order to rebuild the team and that's the difference between the montreal Canadiens where they're at now and the florida panthers is they have they they don't have any long-term commitments outside of a huberto barkoff and ekblad and of course the Bobrovsky as well but that's dale talent uh signing but the the Montreal Canadiens, that's what they're, they're dealing with. Uh, after, the, the, after the first period, it was tied 1-1. Shots were 15-15. The, the Canadiens started to, to, to respond to a lot of the attacks on, uh, on the Florida Panthers of what they were doing. So they, they came out firing. They came out motivated. They, uh, they, came, out, they came out inspired at, at first because of what they were doing, playing shorthanded. And of course, um, playing shorthanded can only do so much. Um, and Nick Suzuki, I, I, I mentioned him just a few seconds ago. Uh, he, he tried going on a breakaway of his own. And this is what the Florida Panthers did very well. Um, quite a few times you saw the Montreal Canadiens going on breakaways. And there was one situation where Nick Suzuki tried outskating Anthony Duclair. Uh, Anthony Duclair on a backpack uh, didn't even allow Nick Suzuki to get a shot on Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, Frank Vitrano had another stop in this one. He had he stopped uh, Cole Caulfield on a breakaway as well. The Hobie Baker Award winner from a, just a few years ago at Wisconsin, and Cole Caulfield's another uh, player who who definitely is going to be part of the future for for the Habs. He was he came into this season being the favorite to win the Calder Trophy um, in this one. And second goal of the game um, for Montreal, which was their last one. Uh, the Florida Panthers, they, uh, it was on a four-on-four. The, the Florida Panthers, they had the power play, and then 15 seconds later, Ekblad has an interference on Nick Suzuki. 
but also bad game for uh david spard someone someone uh former stanley cup champion with the tampa bay lightning he gets three penalties and gets uh beaten uh outboxed uh right in front of the net um on a goal by i believe it was uh bennett later in the game he um that was the tip in uh that bennett had right in front of the net he he outmuscles David Savard, so bad. Not not the best game if you're uh, David Savard, but of course the situation at hand with not many skaters, it was a tough ask for uh, David Savard. But the second goal of the game, uh, he, he, that one's on Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, he's way out of his net. Um, the the puck uh, rebounds and then gets right into uh, Jonathan Drouin and gets it gets it right. Um, excuse me, Nick Suzuki, and then he converts. Uh, right, right on a wide open net um, on on the left side. So something that David Dwork talked about a lot um, this season is that Bob is not coming out of the crease uh, as much as he used to. His his skates are like right on the line, but on that goal, his skates were way out of the crease, and that that rebound right there made it a, the, probably the easiest goal that Nick Suzuki will ever score. Um, and Bart, um, the the power play. The power play is is improved the the last few games. Um, they they get they get one they got one against the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, just the, just a few days ago, um, and they they get they get one they get one here as well. Um, so they're they're scoring they're scoring they're not scoring at a rapid pace for the power play, but hey, it's an encouraging sign with your captain back and the. Sam Montembeau was already committed to going down and Barkoff just beat him top shelf in, in this one, glove side. And so, again, Jonathan Huberto, who was mic'd up, talked about the beautiful pass that, of Sam Reinhardt on that one to uh, Alexander Barkoff. And that, again, that was a cool thing to see uh, Jonathan Huberto uh, mic'd up on there. And everyone's eyes was on Reinhardt. Everybody was ready to draw towards him that Barkoff was just left wide open on that on that one for the score to make it two uh, two at the time on that power play goal by Barkoff and Frank Vitrano again uh, he stopped uh, Nick um, Nick Suzuki on a excuse me Cole Caulfield on a breakaway um, he had a few chances before going off the post and now he scores two goals in. Uh, two straight games uh, for for the Panthers after being scratched in their game against the New York Rangers just a few uh, days ago. And Sam Reinhart, a beautiful feed, and 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 Frank Vitrano just redirects it into the net. So we talked about how certain players, have, when they're hot, they have a hard time. Um, the coaching staff has a hard time taking them out of the lineup when they're on a streak. Maxim Mammon was in that position. Now Frank Vitrano's in that in that position that he scores in two straight. So what what are we what are the Florida Panthers going to do as far as keeping him in the lineup and who to keep out? Chances are it's gonna be right now, it's gonna be Ryan Lomberg that's probably gonna be the odd man out for at least a little bit. But that there's an opportunity as well for Andrew Burnett to of course course correct later if another player gets hot and you need to mix and match more and again 
good problems to have uh, with, with this Florida Panthers team. And more opportunities to stop breakaways. Uh, Alexander Barkov got another uh, stop defensively on Nick Suzuki. So the Florida Panthers did gave, give up their fair share of breakaways. But when they did give up their fair share of breakaways, a lot of the times they were able to recover and not even let the Montreal Canadiens get a shot on Bobrovsky. And the Florida Panthers, especially especially in that second period, really helped their goalie out with outshooting the Montreal Canadiens 21-6 in the second period. And at, after two, it was 36-21. So they outshot, they equaled the amount of shots in that second period alone than the Montreal Canadiens had in that entire game to that point. So impressive stuff by the Panthers, controlling the, controlling the play, controlling the zone, not allowing any breakaways to get to the net. That's the most important thing, not getting, letting them get to the net. And as soon as the third period started, we, we talked about it. We talked about David Savard early on. This is a game you want to forget if you're David Savard. Uh, just 15 seconds in, that was the shot I talked about earlier from Mackenzie Weger that was deflected off Sam Bennett. And Savard was not in a position to get his body in front of uh, Sam Bennett to do not allow a deflection. And, and the Florida Panthers, crazy. With that fourth goal, 16 of their 20 home games now, they've scored four more goals. Talk about the ultimate home ice advantage for a team uh, that is very comfortable playing in a place like Sunrise, Florida at FLA Live Arena. 16 of 20, they, they score four plus goals. You're going to win a lot of hockey games when you, when you score at least four plus goals in, in the game. Larry Bobrovsky, um, great, great again. Um, as we talked a little bit about how he faltered a little bit um, before the shutdown, um, recovers, re- recovers a little bit in these last two games that he started against New York and this one against Montreal, 26 to 31. And there was a big one, even though the Florida Panthers were up 4 2 at the time, where he stops a double deflection off uh, from, the, from the Canadiens. He was tracking the puck a lot better. Though that second goal was not Sergei Bobrovsky's best, uh, best showing in, in, in that moment, he was able to still play a good, good game and still uh, look like the Bobrovsky that we've seen in the beginning of the season. Um, Mason Marchment, uh, a guy who hasn't scored in quite a while, um, he, he, gets a, he gets a goal in this one. And then he had, he had a few opportunities in... In, in the previous game as well. Um, Mason Marchment is definitely a, a guy who's not, he's not known for his goal scoring. He only has four career goals in 50 games, uh, 21 points uh, total um, for his career in those 50. And this was Mason Marchment's first goal since uh, October 27th against the Boston Bruins. So it's been a little bit, um, and he, he spent a little bit time of time on, um, um, on IR and then eventually transitioned over to uh, LTIR. He a uh, beautiful two-on-one where everyone thought he was going to make the pass to Patrick Hornquist and then he goes top shelf on Sam Montbo. Not the not a good situation for Mon- Monty, um, former Florida Panther prospect of dealing with 16 skaters, the mixing and matching of lines the Dominic Ducharme had to do. 
going into this game, but the Florida Panthers, uh, they they beat a team they were supposed to in this one, and the this was this fourteen goals in the last two games for the Florida Panthers, nine against Tampa Bay, and then five here against the the Montreal Canadiens. That's a franchise record for this team. Uh, the, the they scored ten in a game uh, against the Boston Bruins just shortly after Thanksgiving, and that's when the day after that they fired Duck McLean. Uh, Nickname uh, Prince Eddie because he's from uh, Prince Edward Island, uh, the coach that took him to the Stanley Cup final in 1996. Uh, the Florida Panthers uh, did not set a franchise record after that, scoring uh, 14 goals in two games. They they got 10 in that one, but they didn't uh, score uh, four or more in the next one. But this is a franchise record for uh, for the Florida Panthers and their 11th time this season that they scored five or more goals this season amazing amazing you're gonna win a lot of hockey games once again when you when you uh just score that as much as they they do and outshot the montreal canadians 48 31 in that one 12 to 10 in the third period final score 5 to 2 Bobrovsky 29 of 31 in this one uh, and Jonathan Huberdeau just continues to rack up the assist in this one and Barkov is back the captain is is back and the florida panthers there they are red hot as they were in the beginning of the season though they had their little bits of a losing streak uh in the middle of it they are still in a great great position to still win this division and with over a third of the season they they still are very much in control of their their fate from from here on uh, to the rest of the season. But in the next segment, we're going to talk more about what the picture in the Eastern Conference and the Atlantic looks like before the Florida Panthers welcome in the Calgary Flames on Tuesday uh, at 7 p.m. at FLA Live Arena. So we're going to look at a division breakdown in the next segment here on Locked On Panthers. Third and final segment here on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast as the Florida Panthers are coming off a 5 2 victory. On Saturday, matinee matchup against the Montreal Canadiens, shorthanded Montreal Canadiens, that was. And the Florida Panthers not only have their winning streak coming out of this COVID break, has been very beneficial for them, winning 4-3 against New York, 9-3 against Tampa Bay, and then 5-2 on Saturday against Montreal. They have, as far as points percentage, have taken over the division lead. Uh, over the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I say that is points percentage because Florida Panthers are one point behind, two games in hand. And of course, we all know that in 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 the grand scheme of things, game in, games in hand don't necessarily mean anything un, unless you actually win those games in hand. But this is kind of a different situation where we were talking about years ago with games in hand about Florida winning those games in hand when they were losing a bunch of games and having to chase for a wild card spot. But we expect the Florida Panthers as a better team than what was a few years ago to win those. So I'm encouraged with the games in hand too, to be exact, uh, that they, the Florida Panthers have 
over the Tampa Bay Lightning that they'll find a way to get those games in hand and get ahead in the division. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, they've had their fair share of COVID issues as well. They lose to Florida um, on the 30th, losing a shootout against New York uh, 4-3 to in Tampa, and then lose 4 nothing on Sunday against the same New York Rangers team at Madison Square Garden. And the New York Rangers only got 21 shots on goal. And Vasilevsky was back in that one. Uh, stopped 17 of 21 um, in, in that game against the New York Rangers on the road in his first game back. Uh, I believe it, Brian Elliott, their backup goaltender, yep, he, he was the starter against the New York Rangers in their home loss against the New York, New York Rangers. And Toronto, uh, they're still they're still in it. They have had only one game since the COVID uh, break um, ended, and it was on New Year's Day against the Ottawa Senators, where they won by a final score of six to nothing. And their game against the Carolina Hurricanes tonight has been postponed, and they'll they'll be making up some of their games in hand as well as they have 31 games played versus Tampa Bay's 34. So as far as points percentage, they're ahead of the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. Points-wise, Tampa Bay is still leading, but points percentage, both the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs both are ahead. Uh, as far as the rest of the division goes, uh, Boston is still um, with a 607 uh Points percentage, 34 points in 38 games. They're in the second wild card spot uh, with 10 points behind uh, Toronto with three games in hand on Toronto. So you put those three games, assuming they win, they'll, they would be at 40. But, of course, you, you got to win those games in hand. But looks like that now this division is going to shape up to be a three-team race uh, from here on out. I, I know it's... Still time for Boston to get things together and to try to make a run. But of course, with what they lost uh, this, this season in Tuka Rask, um, David Krejci is uh, no longer on the team for the Boston Bruins and they are getting a, a little bit older. Um, Patrice Bergeron is up for a contract. Um, so don't know if they do resign him, what's the dollar amount going to look for the Bruins captain. So that's one thing that the Boston Bruins are going to have to look to uh, this off season. So it looks like it's going to be more of a three team race right now for the division. And it, this is going to be fun. The, the Florida Panthers winning these three straight straight and a mostly healthy uh, Florida Panthers squad. And I'm recording this final segment at 10 37 AM as uh, updates of practice are starting to, uh, to come out, um, Carver Hagee, who left uh, Saturday's game, um, is, is on the ice along with uh, Sam Reinhart and Mason Marchment, and of course, uh, and Sam Bennett's on the ice, but he won't be playing in what was supposed to be his first game against his uh former team. Ole Olevi is looks to be off the COVID list, according to George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. So that's a good sign for one player coming back. So it's a mostly healthy Florida Panthers team coming into 
tomorrow's game against the Calgary Flames. And for tomorrow's episode of Locked On Panthers, we're going to try to bring in Jess Belmosto of Locked On Calgary Flames to preview tomorrow's game between the Florida Panthers and the red hot, no pun intended, Calgary Flames going coming into Sunrise, Florida on Tuesday at FLA Lab Arena, 7 p.m. A wonderful story for a Calgary Flames team who missed the playoffs last year. So we'll be discussing more of that on tomorrow's episode. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for once again for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Lockdown Bets, your one-stop shop for all things betting. Lockdown Bets, hosted by Boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, so subscribe to Lockdown Bets on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Dr. Armando Velez, signing off. And you've been listening to Lockdown Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.